Hey, Redeemed family, thank you so much for joining us online this week. Hey, there is so much happening at Redeem. If you haven't been to redeem.church slash events, I want you to go there now. We have men's breakfast. We have women's night. We have kingdom come prayer night. We're planning a baby dedication. We're planning baptism. So get on there and see what's coming up. But the one thing that I want to make sure that you know about is the marriage course. We are running the marriage course right here in our new building. And I want all couples in our church to go through this if possible. We, we, it's a great course where we're going to be talking about Christian principles as it relates to marriage, but it's also this, a great way to invite couple friends in to hear about Christian principles. If you have a couple friend who are far from God or maybe on the fence about God, this is an amazing time to deepen and enrich their marriage while also getting them to hear the gospel message. And so I want to invite you to the marriage course starting May 13th, but also invite some friends because this is an awesome opportunity to reach out to those who need to hear the gospel. All right. Now, as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking there are many positions within the kingdom that might scare you, right? Uh, Think about this, getting up and teaching and giving a sermon. I know so many wise people within our church that uh, would share an amazing sermon, but the thought of getting up on stage and teaching, they would rather curl up in a ball and go watch some more Netflix than get up on stage. You know, there's some of us like myself that I believe that I was born to be a worship pastor, but I have no singing skills. And at age 38, my voice still cracks. I apologize if you sit next to me. And in addition, I have been told by our worship team, and if you come on a Sunday, you will see this. I do this weird, like, offbeat, half dance, half shuffle thing that I do every time during worship and on stage. Let's be honest, it just wouldn't work. And, you know, for some of us, maybe it's cleaning the bathroom. Let's be honest here. Maybe it's cleaning the bathroom. There's every position that you do, but there's no way you would clean the bathroom. And let's be honest. There's a special place in heaven for those that clean bathrooms at church. But what we see is that after church, there aren't many that are raising their hands to be on the clean crew, if we're being honest. Now for me, one of the positions that I am scared of, that I told myself that I would never do, is to be a missionary. Uh, Going to a new land, going and presenting the gospel, going and, and, and investing my life, it completely scares me. And I'm not afraid to travel. Matter of fact, I've traveled a ton of places in my, uh, in my previous life before I was pastoring this church. And so travel doesn't really scare me. You know, I've ate things that I thought I would never eat and cooked in a way that I never thought that I would eat it. I've just, being honest, used restrooms in places that as a germaphobe, I never thought that I would. And one of the biggest regrets of my life is not taking pictures of some of the places that I use restrooms. If you traveled internationally, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I've, uh, I'm terrible at foreign languages. I was a solid C student in all foreign languages. I don't know if you were. And for some odd reason, my mom and dad never pushed me to take like Spanish or Mandarin, something that makes sense. I always took French and German and basically just barely got by. But I think that if I really wanted to, that I could learn a foreign language. But I know exactly what keeps me from living this missionary life. Because I I honestly believe that I don't know that I could lay down my ego and that I could lay down my life in a profound way and choose to give everything up to share the gospel with people who need to hear it. 
I don't know if I have the courage to be on mission like this without knowing if it would be successful or that it would work or that people would welcome me in or that people would even listen to me if they would ex accept me. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this famous missionary. And if you've been a believer for long, you probably know who this is, Jim Elliott. And you know, as I was looking at the story of Jim Elliott, he's like 180 degrees from me. He grew up and he would hear these stories of missionaries and he read these stories of these amazing men and women of faith who have given up everything to live on mission. And it inspired him. At an early age, he wanted to be a missionary. And so in 1956, at just 29 years old, him and four uh, missionaries went into the jungles of Ecuador to, to preach and reach a, group, a people group that had never heard the gospel before. And so now there's one thing that you have to know about this group, is that not only was it in the most remote part of the Ecuadorian jungle, but they were also known for killing any outsiders that came into their community. And so there was an oil drilling company, for example, that was trying to set up operations in there. And they had killed so many of their workers that they shut the operation down because obviously no one wanted to go work there. But despite the danger, Jim and these other missionaries were willing to risk it all. They were willing to lay their life down for the gospel. They were willing to give it all up to simply do this, tell others about Jesus. In the group, there was this pilot named Nate Saint who brought them in to this crazy mission. And so they flew in and they landed the plane on this river in the middle of a jungle. And for a couple days, they tried to make contact with these people. When they finally made contact, they were met with this community. They were met with warriors who had spears and they killed all of them. And what you see is that this is a crazy story and it's crazy enough, but it actually gets crazier. Because fast forward to three years later in 1959, uh, Jim Elliott's wife, uh, Elizabeth, and, and Nate Saint's sister, Rachel, went back into this community and made contact with these people. And they ministered to them for years. And many of them were saved. And sometimes you can hear stories like this, and you can have two reactions. Maybe you, you think, man, I totally get it. I would love to do that. And if that's you, God bless you. But many of us, I think we hear this story and we think, man, I would never do that. And, and God bless us too. But here's the tricky part of the story. We are all called to be missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries. And God's infinite wisdom and profound love for each one of us, He calls us to this, an adventurous life. Everyone that comes to know the Lord that gives their lives to this wild faith journey, we are given a mission. And, and, and we are called to take new ground by laying down our ego and our busyness and our status and our visions for our own future for the sake of the gospel. And I say this all the time, but God puts us in a place, in a season, for a reason. And He gives each one of us a, a, a focus and a mission. And he put us in this community and these people, with these people, to reach and present the gospel to them. Just like any missionary that might be from China to Colombia, from Sweden to Swaziland, we have the same 
calling on our lives. We are called to share the gospel, to invest in a community, to get into the dirtiness of that community, to have experiences and get into their culture and do this, present the, present the story of Jesus Christ to them and to, take, to get them back to God. And what we see is that when the time comes up, when the moment strikes, when it's, we're, we have to be ready to share the gospel to the people that God put into our lives. So as we continue this Roman series, we just got done with Resurrection Sunday. We talked about, we talked about the importance of understanding God's power and His desire for us to get into the community. So today, as we look at Romans 10, this will hopefully inspire and challenge you as we present the gospel. Because what we see is that Paul is going to share that this life-changing mission only happens when we all join in the journey. Now, before I jump into the scripture, I want you to do something. I want you to pause and I want you to look out your window. Seriously, look out your window. If you need to hit pause, that's totally good. Look out your window. Now, for some of us, we might see people. Maybe you live in an apartment building or you live in a part of the city where you see people moving around depending on how much rain there is, of course. But I want you to look out. Maybe it's just seeing houses or a business where people are oftentimes frequently frequenting. And what we see is out there, God cares so much about every single person that is beyond your window. And, and our God desires all his people to come back to him, to come back to their creator, to come back to their father. And in Romans 9 and 10, we're going to see that Paul is talking about this specific passion for people. And so what we see, Romans 9, 3 through 4, it says, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Paul is saying, I would be willing to give up the benefits of knowing Christ. He's saying, I would give up everything that I have written in Romans uh, if somehow my Jewish brothers and sisters would come to faith, that they would be saved. And it's a glimpse of, of Paul's love for others. And it's a glimpse of how this love for others drove Paul and everything that he does. And so we see this in Romans 10.1. He repeats this heart. It says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. As you look out, your window. As you spend time looking out your window, do you have this same heart's desire? We, we as a church have a mission statement, and that mission statement is to restore all things through His presence. That's our heart's desire. We want to be a church whose heart's desire is about restoring all things and bringing people back to His presence. And we have to be focused on this mission, and it's so important that we're focused. To be people ready to take the long road like a missionary. To focus on sharing the love of God with every person that is through that window. No matter how dark it looks outside. No matter how much addiction and pain and crime and suffering and heartbreak. Whatever you want to look at. Fill in the blank there. Blank there. We have to be truth tellers. We are called to be people who are willing to lay down our egos, lay down our busy schedules, our pride, our whatever it is for you. Lay it all down for the sake 
of the gospel to be on mission in every aspect of our lives. And so we see, like Paul, like Jim Elliott, like Elizabeth Elliott, who had every reason to just pack things up and move on and go home. Instead, they say, there are my, these are my people. This is my community. This is where God planted me to do this, to preach the gospel. Now, Paul is going to put into clear terms in these next two sections how we are saved and how we are to be made right with God, but also how we are to respond as believers and how it's our responsibility as believers in light of the way that God saved us through the cross to share it with others in our lives. And so Romans 10, 8 through 13, we pick it up here. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 8 tells us that the word is near us, and that now we proclaim it to ourselves and we proclaim it to others. So what is the word, and how does it bring salvation? How does it bring righteousness? Well, verse 9 tells us that it's simply this, to declare that Jesus is Lord. And what we see is that this Greek word that Paul uses for Lord is actually kurios. It's kurios. And so what we see is that in the Greek Old Testament, so the Old Testament that's translated to Greek, this is the word that was used to translate God's personal name, Yahweh. So this would have been, Paul would have been very clever to do this, but he is basically saying, we call out, when, we call, when others call out, when we say Jesus is Lord, what we are saying is that we are claiming that Jesus is God, that Jesus, Jesus is his deity, but we're also saying this, that he ultimately has supreme authority over the world and over you and I and all aspects of our lives. So when we are saved, when others are saved, when we, we share the faith, what we're saying is that any area of our lives, when we cry, Jesus is Lord, we are crying out that he's the ruler of our lives, that he's the authority in our life, and that he is the master of our lives. Now, the second thing that Paul says in verse 9 is that he's going to say, to believe, you also have to believe Jesus' works. And so we must believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. We must believe that Christ, in Christ's life and in his death and his resurrection, and we must believe this, that it's for the forgiveness of our sins. It's that simple, yet profoundly hard when sharing the gospel, right? Can you feel me on that? In today's world, where self is the end of all meaning, where it seems like selfishness is reigning in so much of our lives, in a world where we don't really do much inner reflection or really reflect on eternity, in a world where we kind of are moving into this world where we feel like science and medicine, that maybe there's a future day where humans may not even die. That's the conversation that's happening. We see that there's probably this feeling of this mounting kind of uh, insurmountable uh, challenges to share the gospel with people nowadays. Do you feel that? I'm sure you do. But what we see is that for believers, instead of mounting up and doubling down, we, we see that we maybe are losing the fight. We see that we may be finding it too difficult. Maybe we feel, find that it's too inconvenient. 
Maybe we find that it's too scary to do. But we are called to speak to people's hearts. We are called to be truth tellers. And so as we continue, I want to talk about this idea of speaking to the heart. Because Paul's going to talk about it in this next session. Because he's going to talk about not only what does it take to believe, but he speaks to the depth of the human spirit. So Romans 10, 10 through 13. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now the word heart is this token and it has this meaning. It means the whole self. In the Bible, the heart is the center of all spiritual activity. But it's also the center of all operations of the human life. And so what we see is that throughout Scripture, heart and soul can be interchanged. It's kind of the same meaning. And what we see is that it, it, it has both the emotions, but it also has our conscience at the same time. And so Paul's saying that the process of salvation begins there. It begins in the heart by believing in the person of Jesus and believing in the works of Jesus. And so what Paul is saying that we trust God with our whole self and we trust God and we trust with our whole self in the person of Jesus and in the work of Jesus. And we are called to speak to that whole self. We are called to trust God with our whole self and then share it with others that they need to trust God with their whole self, with their hearts. We see that. And we are called to really go out and reach out to people and speak to their hearts. Now, one of the challenges is that we as believers, oftentimes we speak maybe to non-believers about our faith, or about faith in general, or our church, we don't necessarily speak to their hearts. And what I mean by that is we may come at it from a position of rationality, right? We're going to speak, we're going to talk about it from a rational level. We, we might come at it from a judgmental angle. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but sometimes we do. And we might come at it maybe from an arrogant level where we kind of speak like maybe we have something that they don't. But as believers, we must speak about our faith in a way that connects to the heart. Paul is saying that. And how do we do that? Well, I believe that it starts with coming from a place of service. When we share the gospel and we speak to the heart, it's, sh it's coming at a place of service and help to the individual. Naturally with that, and someone needs to hear that, that we make it about them and not about us. When we share the gospel, when we share our faith, when we share about our church, when we think, share about uh, anything in this spiritual realm, we make it about them and not about us because that's what speaks to their heart. And it, also, we become truth tellers, but we become truth tellers with compassion because we tell them about the truth about our faith. We tell them the truth of our faith, but we tell them about how faith changed us and we also tell them how God loves them boldly, but we also come at them compassionately and connect with their hearts and where they are at. And as people begin to believe in their heart, 
what we see is that there is this one action that is the same. We see that people begin to proclaim with their mouths. So when we reach out, we reach and we, we change our minds with our hearts, right? When we became believers and we call others to, naturally there is a proclaiming of what comes out of their heart. Confessing with the mouth and believing in the heart are not two separate actions. What we see is that they are two sides of the same coin. And so they are both essential to salvation. And confessing with the mouth is simply part of believing with the heart. When it comes, what comes out of our mouth, of course, comes out of our heart. And so as we look out the window and we remember that God loves all these people, and we remember that God called us to mission and that he wants us to call them, to reach out to them in their hearts and have them profess with their mouths. And what we find is that anyone who, uh, who, anyone who believes in this and calls out the name of the Lord throughout Romans, he's teaching us that this is what it's all about. It's all about God's work on the cross not about our works. And so when we believe with our hearts and we profess with our mouth that, that God saves us. And so Paul is saying that it's that simple. And so what is our role in this? Well, as we read on Romans 10, 14 through 15, it says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How do people come to call on the name of the Lord? Paul tells us right here. This section tells us the message must be heard. And so Paul probably meant more than simply people need to know that about the message. That, that, they, need to, that they, they might know about the Bible. That they might know about the gospel. That they might know about Jesus. It's more than that. We find that in finding faith and finding salvation, it isn't something that mystically happens. It can. I've heard stories of it. But most often, it's when they hear and, they, and someone speaks to their heart that they begin to believe. And so Paul seems to be talking about people having a chance to respond based on people sharing the good news to them and speaking to their hearts and helping people understand. Verse 14 again says, How can they hear without someone preaching to them? The message has to be communicated. The message has to be communicated. Now, the word here for preaching is this Greek word, which means herald or to make an announcement. So it means herald or to make an announcement. Now, I want us to be very careful here because church, this is where we can go wrong. This term herald in those days were these roles and they were transmitting the news or making an announcement in the marketplace or on the streets. And so what we see is this word preach does not refer to modern-day sermons. Be very careful. It's not about modern-day services. What I'm doing right now is teaching. I'm delivering a sermon. I'm feeding into the body. I'm helping us hopefully bring clarity and light into something that God has for you and for me. And so, yes, in many ways, I am preaching the gospel, but at the same time, I'm teaching. I'm giving a sermon. But the herald is not somebody that stands up on stage at church. The heralds are the people that take it to the streets. The heralds are the people that take it to the neighborhoods and to their families and to their friends. And so today we can translate this like us getting into our neighborhoods, 
getting into our workplaces, getting into our, to our families and our friends and sharing the gospel. It is not about church staff doing it. It's not about the elders doing it. It's not about the preacher doing it. No matter how hard I try, I will not be able to convert the entire town of Lakewood, UP, DuPont, Stillicum, Tacoma, Spanaway. The list goes on. That is not how God set this up. Instead, he says this. He says that we do it together as a church body. Let's look at this. Let's look at Jesus and his disciples. There are many times where Jesus, yes, goes out and proclaims and preaches and goes around from city to city. But in Luke 9, we see this, that he's calling his disciples to do it as well. Luke 9, 1 through 2. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Part of being a disciple is this, to proclaim and to share the life-changing news of God and Jesus Christ. The life-changing news of the gospel. And each one of us are called to be announcers, to be forerunners, to be messengers, to be proclaimers of the good news. And Jesus gathers his disciples and he gives them this mission and he gives them power and authority. Now, nothing we've seen in the gospels up to this would say that these disciples are prepared or qualified for this mission. But instead, Jesus gives them this mission. And what does he do? He gives them power and authority to carry out this mission. And what we see when we are called to a mission, when we are called to a community, when we are called to a people, when we are called to a friend, what we see is that it doesn't come out of us, but it's something that the Lord places on us. And so when we become messengers and proclaimers, that's the Holy Spirit working through us. It's not on us. And he gave them this profound task to go out and to proclaim the kingdom of God is near and to heal the sick. No biggie, right? But what we see is that he didn't say, go out and I will help you bat a thousand. He didn't say, hey, go out and everyone will convert. He didn't say, hey, go out and I'll make this super easy for you. He didn't say, hey, you won't have any worries along this, this path. He, said, he never said that it would be easy and it never was meant to be. Because what we see is that in Luke 9, 5, it tells us this. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. It's going to be hard work. I've shared this story before, but uh, I, I decided to go on mission. And for a year before COVID, almost a full year, I went and I drank a cup of coffee and worked from the same Starbucks every day, even most Saturdays. And I built so many relationships and I learned so many names and I got to get to know uh, everyone's life story and I would work a little bit then I'd go over and talk to people at the table. Well, if you remember, we did the Alpha course right before COVID. And I think I've shared this story before, but I went around to all those people with the simple life-changing ask of just come to the Alpha course, come hear about Jesus. I must have asked, I, I probably asked easily over 20 people and no one came. And, and that's fine. And I think it says a lot about my skills within this, but, but no one came. And yet I did exactly what the Lord tell me, told me to do. I was faithful within every minute of that. And the Lord just simply said, I want you to proclaim. 
I want you to share. And it was not about me. It was a choice that these people had. And it, it grieves me, but I still have a relationship with many of them and, and we'll keep going. Oftentimes, it's not the first time. If you've ever, if you've ever shared the gospel and someone has, has said, hey, I believe in this first time, it, that must be an amazing experience. But oftentimes, it's just building this relationship. But it's making the ask and it's going out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And I want to end here. Romans 10, 15 tells us this. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Someone must be doing the communicating. Someone must be the herald in each person's life. Someone must step out in courage and be a truth teller. Someone must be willing to invite people to life change, to salvation. And Paul uses this word sent, which most likely refers to the way that Christ sends people through his church. And he sends out missionaries to go to faraway places to share the gospel. But he also sends out ordinary Christians in all places and all times to be messengers of the gospel. And he may send some of us. I hope he does. Some of us might get called to go overseas and do these amazing things. That's my prayer for this church, of course. But most likely, Paul is going to send most of us across the street to our neighbors, across the cubicles to our, 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 our workmates, uh, uh, to our friend or family that needs to hear the gospel so, um, so importantly that we share the gospel to their hearts. And what we see is that Paul is teaching us in these verses a few things about evangelism. Paul's saying, one, that it's absolutely necessary. He says this, how can they believe without someone preaching to them? He also says that it requires a willingness for all of us to speak out, for all of us to preach. It also says that it requires us not to just proclaim, but to help a person understand and see the importance of what they heard. And it says this at the end of the verse. It says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, in this line, Paul is being very clever because what he's doing is he's actually pulling from Isaiah 52. And now this section of Isaiah, the Lord is calling, uh, is calling Isaiah to call his people to become awake, to, to wake up, and so Isaiah's, Isaiah, through, through Isaiah, God is saying to the Israelites, wake up. And this part of Isaiah is with this point where it's pointing to this suffering servant that is to come. And Isaiah is prophesying about a time when God's judgment will be given to this suffering servant. Of course, we know that it's Jesus. And so that is, we know that this is what, what he's saying is that someday Jesus will take our place. And so Isaiah is saying, this is a time when God's people will be able to awake from their captivity. And so we see this, that we read Isaiah 52, 7 through 10. It says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together. Your ruins of Jerusalem, uh, for the Lord has comforted his people. 
He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. So in Romans 10, Paul is quoting this verse and he's showing us that it's always been God's intention for all the ends of the earth to see the salvation of God. And we now join in this ancient call. This ancient call now becomes our call. And what we see is that this is always how God intended it to be. But church, we're in danger because we can completely miss this call. We can completely miss the moment and the times that we live in. We can completely miss the privilege of sharing the good news. And what we see is he says, there is beauty in this call. But Paul tells us, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But the beauty is oftentimes not recognized. And so oftentimes we don't do it. And keep in mind, it doesn't say this. It doesn't say how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news and that person accepts the good news and they are saved and everything worked out and it's an amazing story. Sometimes it happens like that. But oftentimes it will not. And that's okay. But we are at a risk of not doing the work because we're afraid of the end results. Because we're all called to join in this beautiful, crazy adventure. We are all called to be missionaries. Whether you like it or not, you are called to a mission. And we are called to call people back to their creator. To lay down our egos to lay down our pride, to lay down our selfishness, to lay down our, uh, our busyness, to join in the long road like missionaries from the past and missionaries that are doing it right now in faraway places, but to join in the long road with people and to be in relationship with them and to ultimately share the good news. We are called to lay down our lives for the gospel, to be bold, to share, and to communicate and to be heralds, and to be truth-tellers, and to be forerunners, and this is our call. If we want the world to change, we must up our game, because it's not going to just change because we hope that it will. We must invest in our community like never before, and we must, like missionaries, we must look at our lives completely different than we currently are. And we must be ready to share the gospel. And we must be ready to invite. Now, one of the things is that there is this huge gap because I totally get it. And one of the things we're trying to do as this church is to give opportunities for you to simply invite people to hear about God. The marriage course, we talked about this at the beginning. The marriage course is one of them. If you're a married couple, I want you all going through the marriage course that starts May 13th. But invite a couple because this is a great way to share the gospel with them. And we have room, and we'll make room. The other thing is, August, we have it on the calendar. We're going to blow it out this year. But we, if you remember, before COVID, we had 60 people going through the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course is this great way to share the gospel and have discussion and to be hospitable. But for all of us to invite people who may be far from God or on the fence about God and invite them into just a discussion about Jesus and God and salvation. It's an amazing, amazing tool. And so mark your calendars for August. If you want to be involved with that, please, please, please let us know because this is going to be one of the exciting thing. Because I am tired of looking out my window and seeing people and just kind of losing heart. 
but instead I want us to look out the window and I want us to say this is our heart's desire because it's our Father's heart desire that everyone, all this brokenness, everyone would come to know the love of Jesus and that things would begin to be restored back to Him through His presence. So let us pray. Let us pray for our community. Heavenly Father, help us to be inviters. Lord, help us to build that heart for the people in our community, for the people in our neighborhoods, for the people in our, in our family, for our friends who are far away from God. Help us, Lord, develop that heart. Make that heart bigger for your people. Make it bigger for our cities. Make it bigger for our neighborhood. And Lord, when the time comes, when the opportunities rise, Lord, I pray that you would give us boldness to share the gospel. I pray that you would give us boldness to, to invite people to the marriage course. I pray that you would give us boldness to invite people to Alpha. I, begin, I pray that you would give us boldness to speak into people's lives, to be truth tellers, to be heralds, to be messengers, to communicate with people the love of God and what Jesus did on the cross for all of us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we will see you next week, but redeem.church slash events. We have so much going on, so many things that you can invite someone to. And so we invite you to come and to invite somebody and join us on all of our events. And we will see you Sundays as we continue to meet. All right, love you, and we'll see you next week.